So we are in part two, talking about bearing one another's burden. Listen, if you missed last week, we kicked it off. And, uh, and the thing that I wanted to communicate, I did last week, I wanted to as, again this week, these whole one another's have to do with how we have relationship with one another. And I made this statement last week that I feel like is just on my heart. At, that uh, I said, yeah, we're not the largest church in El Dorado County, but I want to be the most loving church. How many of you know that's a good goal to go for? Not that the other churches can't love. There's some great loving churches. Uh, I'm not saying anything about that, but for us, and I said this, I said, if we're going to be good at any, or if we're going to be great at anything, let's be great at the Great Commission. Let's be great at loving God. Let's be great at loving one another. So last week I talked about encouraging one another. This week I've titled my message, Armor Bears. How many of you know that's just because that sounds manly? We, uh, uh, I think it's so important, and, and, and it's neat that uh, last week we presented this need for this, uh, this ministry in the Ukraine, just as Pastor Calling Need. And uh, how many of you know when you have a broken down vehicle, is that a burden? Come on. Like, oh man, I, I, this is hard to go anywhere. And they're doing ministry. They're picking up women. They're picking up kids to, uh, uh, to bring them. And guess what? We were able to come alongside across the ocean and help carry that burden. We are not isolated here. You guys see that back wall. Those are missionaries that are all over the place, some local, uh, some overseas that, that we partner with to try to help lift up a little bit. That's what the church is about, right? It's not about a building, but it's about doing the things that God has called us and loving one another. So uh, today we're going to be deep diving into Galatians 6, the first few verses. So I want to uh, uh, read this to you, brothers and sisters. If somebody is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you may be tempted or you also may be tempted. Then carry or some versions say bear one another's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. How many of you know that's exactly what we did? They had a burden of a vehicle, we helped carry it. Amen. Uh, so if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, uh, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. So uh, carrying a burden, I don't think it's like rocket science. <coughs> what is a burden? A burden is something that's hard to carry, right? It's either hard to carry or impossible to carry on your own. Like if you've ever moved something heavy, uh, unless you're like, like He-Man or something like that. How many of you know we need somebody on the other side? If you've ever tried to carry a sleeper sofa by yourself, and uh, probably like Cameron and Chris have probably done that, like just throw it on their shoulder. But uh, how many of you know you need somebody on the other side? And then in life, there are things that we carry that uh, sometimes squish us, right? We fall underneath that burden, and, and we are to help carry one another. So... Uh, today, in this verse, it says if somebody is caught in a sin. Now, don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you have been caught in a sin before? Right? Have you any, don't, again, don't raise your hand because I don't want to know, but have you ever been caught lying? You said something and somebody's like, that's a lie. <laughs> and you knew it was a lie and you still stuck to your story? 
Yeah, come on. Now, I know, I'm glad you guys are being quiet on that because like, I'm not raising my hand on that one. But let me tell you, when you're caught in a sin, I couldn't think of a more, you know, my mind immediately uh, went to the woman that was caught in adultery in, uh, in John chapter 8, and it says that she was caught in, a, uh, in adultery, right? She was caught uh, in that moment. How many of you say awkward? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to be caught uh, lying. It's another thing to be caught in the act of adultery, like where it's going on. And, and, and I'm thinking that's probably as bad as it, get, uh, as it gets getting caught. But how about this? And I know you guys have said this. She got caught in the act of adultery. Like, where's the dude? Anybody ever thought that? Because I know this may come as a shock, but you cannot commit adultery alone. Right? There's got to be somebody else. So for whatever reason, they drag this woman to the temple court, and, uh, and they come to Jesus trying to catch them. Really, they didn't care about this woman whatsoever. Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They're trying to trap Jesus, and I love what Jesus does. The scripture says that, whoops, he went bent down and he started writing into the sand. And let me just say, you may have heard sermons with people saying what he was writing in the sand. I've heard uh, speculation. Oh, he was probably writing this. He was probably writing down names of, of the guys that the, who they committed adultery with. We have no idea. All right. We don't know what he was writing. He could have been playing tic-tac-toe in the sand. Right? We don't have any idea. The important uh, thing, what happens, what he said, he stands up and he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Right? How many of you know that was brilliant? It's like because Jesus, he was kind of on the line here. Is he going to condone adultery? Which how many of you know that's wrong? Right? Adultery is a sin. Uh, but he basically says, okay, you know what? Do it. If you're without sin, you cast the first stone. He's like, you're not going to kill this woman. And, and then he goes a step further and uh, reaches out to this woman, and he shows her incredible love and mercy that she did not deserve. She was, she, she was expecting either to get stoned, some kind of a punishment, something like that. Uh, but Jesus reached out, and how many of you know that he did the same thing to us? He loved us when we least deserved it and when we least expected it. Amen. Amen? Here's the thing. No more. Uh, and and I, if you want to impact somebody's life, what we're talking about today is that you and I would love people when they least expect it, when they least deserve it. How many of you know it's easy to love people when they expect it and when they deserve it? It's like uh, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. How many of you know, and I'm just telling you, men, your spouse is expecting something. They're expecting something. So don't disappoint. Uh, I'm reminding myself of the same thing, too. So uh, we knew, But here's the thing. When you reach out and love people that they don't expect it, and especially when they don't deserve it, come on. I wonder if that's where true love really starts. Like at a point of sacrifice, when you begin to love people, when it's inconvenient to you. Right? And when it's inconvenient, when, when, it's re- when you don't want to. Come on, let's be honest. Isn't there times you don't want to love somebody? That person's on my nerve. Uh, they're on my last nerve, my first nerve, and every nerve in between. But I want to choose to love that person. Love is not a feeling. I know we have talked about it. I just don't feel it. I don't like talking to them. Who cares about any of that? You show love. 
You demonstrate love. Let me ask you, have you ever loved somebody like that? They didn't deserve it. They weren't expecting it. And I think more important, have you ever been on the receiving end of that kind of love? Have you ever had somebody, and maybe you've burned all your bridges, and somebody still didn't give up on you? Somebody still continued to love you, and you know, oh man, I, I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that kind of love. Listen, that changes people forever. When you experience that kind of love, that will make... And we don't know what happened to this. Let me go back. We don't know the rest of this woman's story. Scripture doesn't talk about it, but I guarantee her life probably changed from that point. Like that was a, that was a turning point in her life. And I want to tell you, if you follow Jesus, you're going to have plenty of opportunities in life to love people the way that Jesus does to show that kind of love like this woman that was caught. And, and I want to just say this. I don't think our job is to throw stones. Jesus kind of took the stones out of their hand. Listen, we still call sin sin, right? Sin is still sin. It's still wrong. That's not the issue. It's how we treat people. I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to offer grace to people. And, and let me just say, the church should be a place where it is okay to not be okay. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. Because let's be honest, ducks never do get in a row, do they? You don't have to all figure it out. And Jesus, I love what he did. When he would call people to be his disciples, you know, he didn't look for, let me go to the most prestigious people, most educated people. No, he went and took people that nobody else was going to take. And when he called Matthew to be one of his disciples, Matthew was a tax collector. And he was like, he was the scum of all scums. Like, like there's prostitutes, there's tax collectors. And I, and I think that probably tax collectors were under prostitutes, right? Because they were Jewish people that betrayed the Jewish people working for the Roman government, not just collecting normal taxes, but taking additional. And so they did not like them. And, and, and I, let me just go back over this story here. There we go. It's not our job to throw stones. Verse 9, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth, and he said, Follow me, be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up, followed him, and, and can you ever imagine what that looked like? He left his tax table and everything there. Like, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. And then later, Matthew invites Jesus, his disciples, to his home as dinner guests, along with many other, and I love this version, other tax collectors and disreputable sinners. Come on, how many of you were once a disreputable sinner, right? Let's put our hand up. But he says, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, what does your teacher, or why does your teacher eat with such scum? And then Jesus heard this, and he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And here's the verse, he goes on to say, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. And this is out of Hosea. He goes, I want you to show mercy not sacrifice, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those that know they are sinners. Wow, how crazy. I mean, think about this. How crazy would it be like if you're feeling sick, you got something going on in your body and you know it's not right, and you're like, well, I don't want to bother the doctor right now. Let me wait till I get to feeling a little bit better and then I'll go to the doctor. Like, like, oh man, you, maybe you're having a heart attack. Well, I don't want to go in there right now. I'm really a mess. Let's wait till it's over and then we'll go into the doctor. Wait till it's over. How many of you, know, that's crazy, right? If you're not feeling good, you go to the doctor. 
right? If you know it's something serious, well, I broke my leg. Well, I don't want to bother him right now. Let it heal up a little bit, and then I'll go and have him set it, right? You're asking for trouble. But here's the thing. There are so many people, they don't want to go to church until they figure things out. My life's such a mess right now. I can't come to God right now. Uh, let me get my life a little bit more in order, and then I'll come and get things straightened out. Then I'll come to God. Isn't that crazy? But that's kind of how a lot of times our mind acts. Listen, you don't get your act together and then come to God. You come to God, and God helps you to get your act together. Amen. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? He's the one that brings healing. He's the one that brings hope. He's the one that brings restoration. He's the one that transforms lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's what I love about Jesus. He, he loved people that everybody else gave up on. Nobody, yeah, I don't, I'm done with that. And guess what? He loved you and I the same way. He lo well, I love this verse out of the Passion Versions, Romans 5. Uh, it says, now, who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can, like, who would die for Hitler? Anybody? No, no, no hands. I didn't think so. But we can understand if someone's willing to die for a truly noble person. But look at this, verse 8. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Amen? In other words, when we are at our worst, God was loving us the most. When we were a mess, God was still there. So uh, what I love about this, this chapter, these verses in Galatians 6, it says this. If somebody is caught in a sin, right, it doesn't say if they confess it, does it? If you're caught in a sin, it says to restore them gently. Let me just say that uh, being caught in that sin, when somebody confesses their sin to me, can I tell you, I'm hardly ever surprised. It's been a long time since I've been surprised. Why is that? A couple of reasons. Number one, Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The second reason I'm not surprised is because, listen, maybe I've been there or maybe I could have been there. It, it, what are the, what's the saying, but for the grace of God? There go I. So you don't know the circumstance that got somebody into the situation they're at. We could all be there. And probably some of us have. We all struggle with sin, am I right? Listen, if you think you're an exception to that, then your problem is pride. <laughs> right? Oh, I don't struggle with anything. Hmm, really? Let me tell you, Jesus is the only one that's never struggled with sin. He's the only one that... Uh, yes, we are set free from the bondage of sin. We are no longer a slave to sin. But that doesn't mean that we live a sinless life. That doesn't mean that we're still... Listen, you may have victory over the biggies, you know, adultery, murder. I'm not going around. I hear people, I'm not killing anybody, you know. I'm not sleeping around. Well, that's great. Uh, but what about the smaller ones, right? Sometimes we classify sins. What about gossip? Ooh, what about pride? What about pride, right? What about boasting? Oh, yeah, I did this and I did that thing. Uh, those are all sins. What about sins of omission? Right? Those, well, we don't want to talk about that. What, what is a sin of omission? And I pulled it up here. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. There's so many things that fall into that. How, how about just being a kind person? Is it, is it a sin to be rude and ungodly and mean and grumpy towards somebody? Yeah, we are supposed to show the love of Christ. And let me just tell you, a scowl and cutting people off in traffic does not show anybody the love of God. Uh, God. 
If you've got a bumper sticker that says Jesus loves you and you're cutting people off in traffic, you better rip that thing off of your car. Amen? What is honking okay? <laughs> well, it depends on how that honk is, I guess, right? Uh, how about we all know that we're supposed to forgive, and it's like, oh, I, I got to forgive. Yeah, well, I'm going to forgive, but I'm not forgetting. Come on, right? Is, is that what the scripture says? Forgive, but don't forget. No, it doesn't say that. Forgiveness. And now, yeah, I'm not even going to get into the whole... We know that we need to work through that. If I choose not to because of what somebody did, what is that? That's a sin, right? Listen, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know anybody that doesn't have some kind of struggle. Uh, I'm not surprised, like I said, when people tell me. Actually, I'm surprised when somebody actually does confess it because that takes courage. That takes like, like humility in order to do that. And, and let me tell you, my respect for somebody when they uh, do confess something, it doesn't go down. I'm like, whoa, man, you are a mess, right? I don't do that. No, actually, my respect goes up because I'm thinking, wow, that person has that, like I said, the humility and the courage to actually open up about their struggles. Can I tell you one of the another one another's that we're not really talking about in this series is James 5.16. It says to confess your sins to whom? One another, right? It's one of the another one another's, probably the least practiced one, and I would probably say one of the hardest ones to do. Am I right? You don't confess. Here's the thing. It's important. You don't confess your sins to one another in order to get forgiveness from God. Right? How many of you know the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man? Uh, if you confess your sins to God, you can walk in forgiveness. But there's something about why is forgiveness? Because sometimes I need to invite somebody into my sin because I need some help. Right? You tell it to somebody else because you're like, yes, I've got forgiveness from God, but I keep struggling in this area. And when you confess it to somebody else, you know what you're doing? You're allowing somebody else to help bear your burden. I need some accountability. How many of you know sometimes we need accountability in our life? And you do that by telling somebody, hey, listen, this is my area of struggle. This is the thing that I'm challenged. I'm not coming to you. God's already given me forgiveness, but I don't want to continue to walk in this anymore. And so you invite somebody, and I believe that it even goes beyond that. Yes, that helps you, but guess what? When you share somebody else and you share your burden with somebody else, that kind of gives them permission to open up and maybe share their burden with you. Hey, you know what? I'm going through this as well, or I'm going through something else. And, and what you see is a picture of the church doing what we are supposed to do and bearing one another's burden. You're helping me carry mine, and I'm going to help you carry yours, and somehow we're going to get there together. Right. Amen. Nobody is called to try to live this life of Christ alone. Let me tell you, it's too hard. God knows that we need each other. Amen? So it goes on to say, uh, to restore, let me see, I don't even remember what I have up here. There we go. Oh, confess your sins. Uh, he goes on to say, if somebody's caught in a sin, uh, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person how? Gently. Gently. Man, sometimes I think we forget that because it's so much easier to criticize, isn't it? They didn't, did you hear what so-and-so said? You know what? Look at that. Look at what they're doing here. Uh, and, and here's a feeling in your notes. Don't point out the problem if you're not willing to be a part of the solution. Let's just think about that one for a minute, right? Because it's so easy to point out the problem. 
that person's got it. Man, they got this problem. They got that problem. Can I just say, if you can see the problem, so can everybody else. It's not about pointing out problems. It's about, can I help? He's telling them to restore them. Uh, Our job is not just to point out the wrong, but to help people make it right. Help people to actually walk in a good way. Uh, Those are two totally different things. Am I right? So let me share with you a couple of things that I've learned when you're dealing with people and their sin issue. Okay, are you guys ready? Number one, you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. Am I right? Has anybody ever tried to help somebody that doesn't want to be helped? Did it work? No. It doesn't. You can't teach somebody that doesn't want to learn. You can't feed somebody that's not hungry. What's the saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him? Right. So uh, on one level, I think that takes a little bit of pressure off of us. If somebody is not willing uh, to, to be helped, you can't do anything. And, uh, and I shared this quote earlier today. Uh, uh, my, our pastor that was in Colorado, he said, he goes, man, I just wish people were like nails. I could hammer them where they need to go and they would stay there. <laughs> How many of you know you can't do it? You can't do it. What has to happen if we're going to help somebody, there's a biblical word for it, and it's called repentance. It means a, a change of mind. Repentance is not just saying, oh, I'm sorry. You can be sorry and keep doing the same thing all you want, right? Repentance is a change of mind. When somebody does that, it's like, it doesn't mean that they have victory over it yet, but they're saying, you know what? I don't want to keep going down this road anymore. I'm repenting. I'm changing. I want, I want something different in my life. That's when you're able to come along and help them. That's when you're able to do it, and you do it gently. And let me just say, the other, the other way we can't help is by throwing the stones, Right? It's not like, well, I threw this little stone and they didn't change, so maybe I just need a bigger one. Maybe, yeah, let me just hammer them, right? Maybe that'll work. But, but what is that? In Romans 2.10 says that, that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Your criticism is not going to result in repentance. But I want to tell you, kindness will. And, and listen, if that's not working, show them even more kindness. Keep loving them. Keep declaring uh, that how God uh, really loves them. P- keep showing it uh, in your life. Don't just like, you know what, I try to help you. Bummer with you. You know what? You don't want to change. Uh, let me give you a couple of verses here that, uh, that, that stumped me for many years. Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5. This seemed like the biggest contradiction in the word to me at one time. Uh, but, but look at it. First of all, don't answer the foolish argument of a fool, or you will become as foolish as they are. But then the next immediate verse, be sure to answer the fool's, foolish argument of fools, or they will become wise in their own eyes. Estimation. Anybody ever read that verse and think, what? So what do I do? Do I answer? Do I not answer? Uh, am I going to look foolish? Or what, what's going on with that? And, and then I realized the brilliance of these two verses Here's the thing. If you're dealing with a fool, you can't win. Answer them, don't answer them. You know what? It's a no-win situation. So if somebody is not willing to change, if they're not willing to, uh, if they just want to be a fool, then it doesn't matter whether you answer or not. Why are you wasting your time, right? So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. But it continues to say, watch yourself, watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. And let me just make a brief observation because 
we tend to criticize in other people things that we don't like about ourselves. I think that nine times out of ten, our criticism is really a projection of maybe our insecurities. Uh, the more critical we are, the people that you meet that are very critical of other people, they're struggling with their own self-esteem. They're struggling with their own... How many of you know our security is in Christ? It's in Christ alone. You don't have to criticize other people in order to build yourself up. Amen? I think that's important for us to realize. But he says to watch yourself. Uh, when you're helping somebody else in a situation, the reality is that, that, that those situations have a tendency to pull you down into their mess. How many of you know that that's real? And uh, what, well, here's the thing. You've got to guard your heart if you're going to get into somebody else's sin issue. Amen? You've got to guard your heart. Because like I said, we're there to help pull people up. We're there to help uh, alleviate somebody's burden. But when you're in that mess, they're going to they're want to try to drag you in it. And maybe they're not consciously thinking that. But does that mean not to get into it? No, not at all. It means we do, but we just have to be careful. Be wise about those things. Amen? So then Paul goes on to say carry or bear, bear one another's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So this word about carrying and bear really means to cover. And there's another word in the New Testament that means to cover, and that's the word atonement. Right? That's what Christ did on the cross. His blood covers our sin, right? Amen? And, and that word could also mean like the roof of a home. It's a cover, protective, a shield. And, and so I think a good paraphrase of this is I've got your back. Right? If I'm going to bear somebody's burden, it's like, listen, friend, I'm in your corner. Uh, I'm on your side. You're not going to have to go through this alone. I am there to go through it with you. Amen? That's what we need. And I love that because that's really what God does for us. His Holy Spirit, you know, one of the Greek words is paraclete. And that's actually a military term that refers to formations of soldiers that fight back to back. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's like, you're not going to have to. God says, you don't have to go through this. Wait, receive my Holy Spirit. And, and, and he is our defender. He is our shield. He's our refuge. And when we're carrying things that we can't understand, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in ways that we don't have the words for. So that's what God does for us. He bears our burden. Uh, and I thought a picture of this, was, I couldn't think of a better picture than 1 Samuel 14. And this is about Jonathan, the son of King Saul, who his best friend was whom? Some of you guys know. David. David and Jonathan were like best friends. But Israel is in a time of war. Uh, they're not doing so well. But Jonathan and his armor bearer realized there's some soldiers over here. And, uh, and they just took off on their own to go fight them. And look what, what it says in 1 Samuel 14. He says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. I love that. And he says, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. How did Jonathan know that God would do that is because his best friend David uh, slew a giant. All right, Goliath came down. So Jonathan's like, hey, I'm serving the same God David did. And, and listen, if God wants to give us victory, we can do this. So they weren't afraid to take this hill that had many soldiers with just two of them. And then I love what the armor bearer said. He says, do what you think is best, his armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. How many of you know he's saying, I've got your back? 
if you're going to do it, I'm going with you. We're going to do this. I don't know if in his mind was thinking, I guess if we die, we die, right? Uh, he doesn't say that. He had full confidence. He's like, I'm with you. Let's do it. And so the story played out. They're climbing up. And uh, verse 13, it says, So they climbed using both hands and feet. And the Philistines, as they got up to the top, Jonathan is like killing Philistines in the front, right? They fell before Jonathan. And his armor bearer killed those that came behind. So can you see that back-to-back fighting right there? Like if you think, oh, you're, uh, let's flank him. He's killing the people in front of him. They could try to, the enemy could try to flank, but there's his armor bearer. He's like, man, I got your back. Don't worry. I've got this taken care of. And, and I think that, uh, and it says, what was it? There were 20 men in all. So these two guys climbing up a hill that already have a disadvantage. How many of you know if you're on a hill and somebody's climbing up, it's just like, you know, like you've got, you're at a disadvantage down there. And, uh, but God was with them. They got up to the top and had a victory because they, they stuck together and God was with them. And, and here's the point of this whole thing. I think I have this in your notes. Everybody needs an armor bearer and everybody needs to be somebody else's armor bearer. What, are we, what am I talking about here? I need to make sure that I have, uh, I've got somebody that's on my backside. And listen, if you've been living this life, this Christian life, and you've kind of been on your own, and you come to church, I come to church, but I'm just kind of doing this on my own, let me tell you, you can make it to heaven, but I want to tell you, it's a whole lot easier when you know you've got somebody in the flesh that's got your back. Somebody that is going to be there. And I want to say, we shouldn't just be, look, who's got my back? Who's got my back? I want to tell you, if you choose to be somebody else's armor bearer, I want to tell you, that person's going to naturally want to be your armor bearer, right? We're, it's those one another that's going on. And I think that we all have opportunities. We have opportunities with maybe a, a colleague, maybe a work person, maybe a family member, where they're going to be down, they're going to be struggling, and listen, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah, they're struggling. Hey, hope you make it to next Sunday, and then I'll see you. Hope you can make it, right? Oh, man, bummer for you. No, we connect with them. We call them. We go have lunch with them. We go have a coffee with them. Uh, you can text them. Isn't that an amazing thing with this phone? Hey, listen, I know you're struggling with something. How are you doing? How's things going? And, like, really mean it, right? When you do that, I think that is so awesome. And, and, and yes, Pastor Colleen mentioned, and, and none of our small group leaders know what I'm about to do, but uh, I'm putting this up there because... Small groups is not just about another thing to do. Anybody here need another thing to do in life? Yeah, yeah you know, Christian needs another thing to do. Right? Most of us have got a full schedule. Uh, small groups are about having relationship. It's about doing what the New Testament says with the whole one another. It's in that context. It's different coming on a Sunday. You know, the scripture says that in Acts, it says that they met in the temple uh, courts. Every, you know, they met. That was the large group gathering. But then it says that they met in homes together. There's a small group aspect that is uh, powerful. But what, what I was going to say, I was going to advertise our uh, small group just so that you could see. Uh, Facebook pictures are up for grabs. I just want you to know that. But uh, Bob and Marilyn are going to be meeting. If, and Pastor Colleen said, if you don't drive at night, uh, Tuesday, first and third Tuesdays, 10 a.m. in the, in the uh, thank you, the cafe, that room over there on the other side of the wall. So uh, 
Uh, so they're going to be there. That is this Tuesday. That's coming up. Uh, Beth and Bill, isn't that a lovely picture? You guys, look at the beautiful couple back there. Uh, it's going to be meeting in Placerville at their home, first and third Fridays, 6 p.m. And, uh, and then uh, David and Christina. I saw one with a cowboy sticker on it, and I almost put that up there. But I thought, you know, not today. I'm still walking in humility as a result of that. Uh, but first and third Sunday, so not this Sunday, but next Sunday uh, at their home, we have sign-up sheets out there. And, and again, no, uh, there's no specific teaching. We're not like going through a study. Uh, how many of you know we have our bulletins and we got sermon notes on the back there? So we're going to go in. We're going to go a little bit deeper, discuss things. Uh, because here's the thing. Small group is not just about studying the Bible together. Yeah. Although that's great. That's awesome. Uh, it's not just about fellowship, which is important. What it is, it's one of those one another com components where you begin to surround yourself with other people and you help them carry their burden and you carry, wait a minute, you help them carry your burden and uh, they help carry your burden. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so uh, sometimes we look at a small group like, oh yeah, I want to, and there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you want to do a small group where you teach a specific lesson uh, again, nothing wrong with that, but we want to see people do what the Bible says. And let me just say, as uh, American culture, how many of you know we are not good at doing life together? We're so independent, right? We're just so independent. There are so many other cultures in our world. They get together on a regular basis, and I think I shared this in our men's Bible study. In, uh, in Chico, we had a Spanish service that met. They met in our gymnasium. We met in the sanctuary. When we did kids' church, all of them went together to do kids' church. But every single Sunday, they had a meal together. They'd be using the thing, and I'd be smelling all of this wonderful food. And, uh, and then we would try to get something together as, uh, as the American church. And uh, I mean, if we did a potluck once every couple of months, maybe we'd get half the people there. Because we're just so individual. Ah, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm not going to do that. We do men's breakfast, and it was amazing, women's thing. And, and we struggle. How many of we would admit that our American culture, we're so independent that we feel like we can do it on our own? And so we need to get together. Let's move on. I love this quote by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He says, if I could read the secret history of our enemies... Or if we could read the secret history, we should find in each man's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. I mean, think about that. There's people we really don't like. Am I right? I'm Let me just say, politically, is there anybody you don't like? Come on. But if you understand other people, if you could hear their sorrows and the challenges, it would change your perspective on other people. Man, let me help carry that for you. Let me help you get through that. Let me, let me, it would disarm us to where we would begin to really be able to love other people. Right. Amen? So how do we bear one another's burdens? Two ways. So easy. Again, not rocket science. Listening ears and a helping hand. Right? How hard is that? How can we like miss this, that, that, that there's no poor interpretation that you're going to miss? Well, what does he really mean by that? And, and I think that... Uh, the, the thing I really want to talk about is the listening ears, because this is so important, that we've got to actually listen. And I'm going to confess, and yes, my wife's not in there, but men, how many of you have ever listened to your wife and not really listened to her? 
Come on, let's be honest, right? Like, like they're talking, and it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, and, uh, and you weren't really listening. Come on, let's just be honest here. If we're going to listen, if we're going to have these listening ears, how many of you know we've really got to listen? Right? I, and one thing, I, let me tell you, I love counselors. One thing, a quality of a good counselor, and I know Robin can tell me that, is a, that you got good listening ears. Am I right? You've got to actually hear what the other person is saying. And, and listen, I thank God for people that do that because that is so important. But I want to tell you, you would be surprised at how good you would be at other people if you just learned to be a sounding board to other people's problems. If you just begin to really listen. There's times that, that I've had people in my office to counsel. They're going through stuff. They're sharing all of their problems with me. I'm not like hardly saying anything. At the end of it, they're like, oh, that was so good, Pastor. Thanks for that time. And, and I'm like, well, I didn't really do anything other than listen. listen. Right? It is so important that we do that. Uh, uh, hearing what somebody else is saying, what, what they're going through. So before we speak into someone's life, we better first listen to them, right? We got to be able to pray for them. And, and let me just share another little thing. This is kind of my, my operating system whenever interacting with other people. One of them is the Proverbs 26 that I shared a minute ago. If they don't want to hear, if they just want to be foolish, it's like, honestly, I probably won't spend that much time with them. But the other one is this, in John 16, 12, I hope I have it up here. There it is right here. Uh, Jesus is teaching the God people, but he says this to him. He goes, there's so much more I want to tell you. Think about this. If Jesus said there's more I want to tell you, how many of you want to say, I want to hear it? I want to hear everything that God has for me. Let me just say, you probably don't. Because what does he say? You can't bear it right now. There is one thing about truth that we can sometimes only take in doses, right? We can't, if, if we came to God and he says, here's all the things that you need to do, here's all the areas of your life you need to change, we would be like, oh man, I can't take this. That would be too much of a burden. I don't know if you ever thought about truth being a burden. Too much truth can be too overwhelming. And so when we are listening to other people, well, well, let me just say this. There's a couple of mistakes I think sometimes we make in conversation. I know nobody here has ever done this, but have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? They're not listening to you, but you can tell all they're thinking about is what they're going to say next. Come on, <laughs> let's be honest here. It's like, I, I've had that, it's like, you didn't even hear a word I wanted to say. You just waited till I shut up so that you could say what you want to say. Yep. Happens all the time, right? So don't be that person. The other's mistake is like, you want, you've got truth and you want to unload all of that truth on that person right then. I've got something to say and I'm going to say it and you're going to hear all of it. I don't care if I crush you with it. Uh, listen, we've got to have a listening ear. That's one of the things about bearing one another's burden, but sometimes it's holding our tongue. Think about it. Sometimes it is not unleashing everything that you knew. Jesus knew, listen, I can't give you everything right now. Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to reveal it, but God, God reveals things to us in doses to where we can begin to handle it. So we've got to be aware. If somebody's not in the right emotional state, how many of you know you can't tell them everything? It's not like, hey, that's, I'm, I'm just going to give it all to you. No, we've got to be wise. Let me, uh, let me close with this. Matthew 11, Jesus said this, Come to me, 
all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Can I just say this? All of us, especially without Christ, we carry heavy burdens. Life, issues, relationships. Anybody ever been under a financial burden? How about a health burden? Still, relationship burdens. There's all kinds of burdens. And he's saying, come to me, all you are weary and carry that. And he says, I will give you rest. Then he tells them this, take my yoke. We know what a yoke is, right? When you, when you put two oxen together and they have that, that wooden thing that yokes them together so that they're, they're pulling in unison and God is telling, I take my yoke. What? I got to put something else on me. But he says, let me teach you because I am humble, gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul for my yoke is what? It's easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Let me tell you, when we are yoked to Jesus, how many of you know he's, he's carrying way more than his share? He's got, it, it is easy. We get to take off the heavy yoke of oppression, heaviness, uh, uh, all of these things that, that life throws at us, and we get to put it, we get to get yoked to Jesus, right? And it's easy, and it gives rest for our soul. I wonder if it's been a long time since, since some of us have found rest for our soul. You've been struggling, you've been, you've been going through things, you've been trying to make it, and you've been trying to keep the face on. How many of you know? How many of you have tried to keep the face, oh, everything's good, how are you doing, everything's good, and you get home and you're like, everything is not good. Everything is not good. I want to tell you that God wants to say, take that thing, take that heavy thing off of you. Come to him, because first of all, God wants to lift that off, but I want to tell you that, that, that as a church, we are not just a building people come to, we are a family. And I want to tell you that relationships do not form on accident. How many of you know we've got to go out of our way? You've got to get connected somehow. Maybe it's a men's Bible study. We have a Thursday night prayer group. We have a, we're starting our small groups up. Uh, getting connected somehow outside of here. Because let's be honest, we do have a greeting time, right? After worship and after past, you know, making that transition. Hey, how you doing? How many of you know you don't get very deep relationships there? Man, I, I know exactly what JR's hand feels like because I shake it every week, right? Like, no, I, I can't carry his burden if I don't know JR. And so we've got to get connected. Listen, you're not going to know everybody, but we need to be able to know somebody. We need to have those relationships. I think it's so important. And, uh, and what God calls us, let me tell you, God offers us mercy. He offers us grace. And, and I just want to, I'm going to close it with this one here, 2 Corinthians says, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, that we might become his righteousness. You know what that's talking about is that he took that burden of sin off of us so that we could walk in his righteousness. So if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I need rest for my soul. Maybe you're feeling that weariness, you're feeling that burden. I, I want to tell you, and if I can have some of our prayer team come up, if you just need somebody to pray with you, for whatever reason, whether it's to give your life to the Lord, maybe you just say, you know what, I'm going through and I just need somebody to help lift that thing off of me. I want to encourage you to come up for prayer. And let's believe God for uh, what we're called to do, to, to love one another, to carry one another's burdens. Last week, I, like I said, I talked about encouraging one another. So can I have everybody stand?
I don't know if you have a song or not, Timothy, but uh, if you could, I think that would be great. He's always got a song. Let's just take a minute and worship. Listen, if you don't want to come up to the front, if there's somebody by you, uh, you know, I wasn't planning on doing this, but uh, you can come up to the front. And, uh, but otherwise, I want you, to, I know this is awkward, and I know, ooh, COVID, but can we, like, stand next to somebody? If somebody's standing alone, just have somebody. You can put your arm around them. If that's awkward, uh, put a hand on their back. We need to know that we're not alone. And we need to begin to walk in that. Amen? Thank you, Lord.